0: I'm on a journey to get better in all areas of life, from wellness and mental health to career and relationships and so much more. I know getting better isn't easy, but it's a whole lot easier when you can do it together. Welcome to Better Together with me, Maria Menunos. Today, I am really excited because we're gonna be chatting with entrepreneur, wine aficionado, best-selling and hugely popular uh, marketing media guru and genius, Gary V to discuss all things about him, his kind of mindset, and what his thoughts on social media are. Really excited Ooh. for this chat. Um, and kind of how to crush it during this pandemic, which is um, very useful information. Our quote of the day, if you're not dreaming big for yourself, who's doing it for you? And Oof. that is by Gary Vee.
1: I love that. Right? I love that. So good.
0: I mean, when you think about him, he's had this big dream to. Own the jet someday. I know my big dream growing up was I was going to be president of the United States. Oh, uh-huh. let's see it, Maria.
1: Yeah,
0: I was going to own. I, I wanted a, a zoo and an aquarium. Which I mean, I guess the pond here could be my aquarium, right? Yeah, and the yeah. zoo are the animals that just live that- amongst me. Or <laughs> <Are> literally here <laughs> You're every sure. day. We're your
2: zoo, Maria. <laughs> You're you deal with us every day. We're doing our <laughs> We're best. Here
1: too,
0: um, us and the snakes. But yeah, I know I grew up wanting to be president, so I was really careful. To try to make good choices, (laughs) so that I can be president someday. And then I met Kevin, and he was like, "Yeah, no, they'll kill you." And (laughs) I was like, "Oh, okay." And he kind of like crushed that dream, like real fast. (gasps) Oh my gosh, that was like I told you, mine was Disney
1: Channel. Jeff, I wanted to be on Disney Channel, and I was gonna have a show called It's Me, Kelsey. And then then in mm, it was my senior year of high school, Tim. Tim told me that I was too old to be on Disney Channel, that I should maybe start looking into being a Disney Channel mom. <laughs>
0: and I was like... <laughs> Every time you tell me that story, I'm shocked.
1: Oh! My In high
0: school, you were told to be a mom.
1: High school?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think it was like supposed to be funny about Disney Channel. Ha <laughs> ha. Not funny, Tim. But
0: it impacted you. It, yes. Just like Kevin impacted you. He just crushed that dream. Mm-hmm. Boom. Stomped it out with his Doc Martin. <laughs> yeah. Right? Dang
1: right. Jeff, what was your we're big dream?
0: Guys. You know... I, I'm cool having it, boy, visions it? of hip thrusting and boy banding, but
2: that's well, just me. some of that. I, <laughs> I, didn't know I, I didn't know I needed, which was to be a cruise ship singer, which uh, for any interested fans, there's stuff on YouTube. You can find it, but without sounding cliche, and I feel like while we're in the mode of inspirational Gary Vee advice, I'm taking a step back and realizing like, I've always wanted to work with influential people with big voices. Aww. And, look look what I'm doing Whoa. so
0: hey now it's pretty cool I know, I
2: know. so I it's one of those things where like if you allow yourself to actually ask what your dreams are and take a step back and think how can I get there how can I create that for myself it can happen and I actually don't think I've given myself the chance to really celebrate that yet and I'm doing it right now on your show Maria. Aww, that's so
0: cool that
2: Yes, yeah. I love Jeff conversations with with thoughtful people. And yeah. like, I mean, one of the coolest parts of my jobs is pre interviewing all the guests that we get to bring on. So I get my 20 minutes where I can ask people I've wanted to talk to for my whole life, I know. whatever I want. It's Isn't that the coolest cool. thing ever? Like, I yeah. remember, I think it was
0: John Taffer telling me, oh, my God, this Gary Vee guy. He's insane. He's amazing. Insane in a good way, by the way. Mm. Um, and I forget whether maybe he was going to work with him or something, but I kept hearing about this Gary V over the years. And yeah, I mean, we're so blessed that we get to have these conversations with people that we would otherwise only read about, right? Like my cousin on the beach. Yes, uh, on what was it Labor Day? Um, was reading. Um, Untamed by Glennon Glennon. Doyle and I'm like oh my god I just interviewed her on our show like it's so cool
1: but I mean to piggyback Jeff too like hello how I have to sometimes like smack myself I'm like oh yeah it's Maria Maria Menounos you know it's like you are such a powerful strong like smart like incredibly talented and have done so much like it's crazy so we Jeff and I are so lucky to be able to work with you but then everyone who listens to the show it's like they get the guests, but they also get you, you know? So it's like, I don't know. I find myself kind of like Jeff just said. I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, I'm yeah. sitting next to Maria, you know?
0: Thanks, guys. Yeah, so. it's 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 cool to do what you love. Yeah. And yeah. I'm just grateful for a brain tumor getting me here. What? <laughs> but, like, think about it, right? Like I said, one of the greatest lessons I learned from Tony Robbins was life was happening for you, not to you. Yeah. And so that was my reset. That was my awakening my rebirth and so I get to do things at my pace and I get to do what I love and it's really cool to be able to have these daily conversations with people I mean it's not even any kind of work like literally I get to just follow my curiosity every day and and help the people that I love and um, it's not just present company it's everybody out there right like you hear me on calls with People that I'm helping um, who write into the show and um, I I love all of you guys because I know you're on the same path. You want to be better and you want to get better. That's why when I'm at a Tony Robbins seminar virtually or in person, Mm -hmm. I love everyone there because I know we're all the same. It's It's very emotional to be a part of a group or a community that wants to be better and get better. You feel safe. And so... Um, I'm really grateful that you guys are here with us. If you're new to the show, please subscribe. If you haven't joined us over on Patreon, uh, you can enjoy ad-free content, uh, extra content. We do, um, really cool shows there, and we also are starting workshops. So, um, workshops and healing events, and we're just starting to kind of dream on, on how to make that even cooler. So please join us over there. Um, you can go to my Instagram and click the link tree and you can go right to patreon or right to youtube and subscribe or right to apple Podcasts and subscribe while you're at apple Podcasts, i would greatly appreciate it if you would do me a small favor and leave us a little review um we're trying to get to a thousand so um people can see that we are a valuable resource for them
2: um, i love what you're saying Maria, just quickly I, th- I bet we have new fans who are joining us today because you know where gary v goes you reliably follow for good reason <laughs> but you might not think on first glance, this would be the show for you. But what Maria does is what Gary does. He's, she's all about finding those tools for self-esteem and self-empowerment. And even though your approaches might be slightly different, I promise you, if you're here for the first time, dig deep and find some, I'd start with Ed Milot. I think he's a good next show for you to check out. But this I there's a lot of the same stuff that Gary preaches in the archives of our show, so hit that subscribe. I really mean it. This mm-hmm. is a show for you even if you don't know that it is yet.
0: Well, mm-hmm. he's also um, big on health and, you know, you can't do much without your health, and so um, we do a lot of Healers and doctors, and um, we have the best of the best here. Where people are going to open up your mind to things you never knew were possible, like Doctor Eamon teaching us about havening. I'm doing this so often in my day to activate both sides of my brain to shut down the fear and anxiety parts of my brain. Like there are tips like this and tools that you can apply in your life every day to help you to get better. Um, if you have autoimmune diseases, listen to the Alyssa Goodman episodes and. It's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them, too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're going to love it. Um, I'm wearing my duck-off shirt.
1: <laughs> we love it. Okay, this is a funny story, too, Jeff. You will enjoy. We're walking <laughs> through the North End. And well, first we we're driving through the North End in Boston. Little outing, right? Mm-hmm. So lovely. And Maria spots this shirt. This shirt is hanging in the window and it says duck off. And she's like, I need that shirt. <laughs> we're like, yeah, okay, whatever.
0: And we have like the duck tours in Boston. Yeah. And it's like our thing. And so See, I, my head swiveled. I was like, I need that shirt.
1: She needs a shirt. We're driving by. We're like, yeah, okay, whatever. We happen to park somewhat near. So then she's determined, determined to get this duck off shirt. We find the place on the door it says use other door <laughs> there's literally a sign that says use other door so we get up there found the place so excited she's like dang they're closed and we're like Maria literally use the, use other, the door. other door and then she I'm got like duck her. off duck off!" then she got her <laughs> shirt and it
0: was so happy <laughs> yeah yeah. it's the first time I didn't wash a shirt before I used it mm. but it was in a bag so it kind of smelled like a little like food and oh. such it was an odd stench oh. interesting but
2: like Boston it's a little like, like Boston. Boston, yeah. It's, yeah, like, yeah, home you. Yeah, it's exactly. like home for Yeah, exactly.
0: Meanwhile, um, I'm helping Kevin through a renovation on the other coast, which is hilarious. So at night, I'm like researching vanities and all these things. Like he was like, oh, you guys had a great Labor Day weekend. Nice, nice. Um, I've been in dust and dirt. <laughs> and Jeff, you have the privilege of getting to see all of this happen live, but...
2: He's working so hard.
0: I know, it's wild. Yeah. I feel a little it's guilty, good. like I'm ducking off and and you know, we're going to be going apple picking soon and pumpkin picking and all these things. Like we're actually getting to kind of live here on the weekend. Yeah,
2: um, Kevin lights up though with renovations. He's working so hard and Kevin will be fine with me saying this, he's the first person to sometimes jokingly complain about stuff. But when I asked him about your other small place in Encino, he was so excited. He lit up with like all the work that's been done over there. So, you know, as hard as Kevin is working as much as he might jokingly complain about it right now, I do think this is kind of his bread and butter in some ways.
0: Oh yeah. It makes him so happy. He's like, I just don't want you coming home to a mess. He is so determined. Um, We had to renovate this space for my parents, for my mom. And um, we it took us, gosh, I mean, we've lived here for like 15 years. We've been planning this renovation For at least the last five years. And then my mom's, you know, diagnosis kind of threw it off kilter. And then um, some other stuff has thrown it off kilter since my tumor and all of that. Mm. And so finally, when I left, he just took a sledgehammer to everything. He's like, we're doing it now. We've got to get it done. And so... My bathroom was from like 1991, probably. <laughs> and like the tiles were peeling. Like if you had seen what our master bath looked like, I I might be actually potentially still too embarrassed to show you the before with the after. You might just see the after. <laughs> um, but I feel like everybody in this COVID time is doing some variation of an improvement on their home because yeah. we're spending so much time there. And so I've been kind of setting up this East Coast headquarters for my Mm -hmm. parents and then we're setting up West Coast headquarters for them because, you know, they're bouncing back and forth and um, hopefully they'll be able to bounce back this way. That's that's the goal, at least. But um, but yeah, it's it's been uh, it's been funny kind of having to do all of this from this coast. Mm
1: hmm. And you still, it's funny, Jeff, like she'll get calls and she's like, okay, yeah, okay, I'll answer this. Blah, blah. But like, actually, can you call my husband who's in the state? I because know. it's really kind of difficult to do some of these things from the other coast. I know,
0: like taking care of my mom, yeah. like the caretakers were like, can yeah. I come at 8 tomorrow instead of 8.30? And I'm like, <laughs> or 8.30 instead of 8. And I'm like, uh, yeah, probably, mm-hmm. but I'm not there right now. Yeah. Uh, you are both killing it, truly. Getting better isn't easy, but it is a whole lot better when we can do it together. We love and appreciate and are so grateful for all of you. Okay, so onward to our interview with Mr. Gary V. Of course, he is an entrepreneur, five times New York Times bestselling author, speaker, media marketing guru. Known to his legion of online fans as Gary V, he's widely celebrated for his empowering philosophies around life, growth crushing it, um, and and all things uh, entrepreneurialship and success in this global pandemic. Gary, thank you so much for joining. I'm so excited to chat with you. I've heard about you forever through so many friends, and I've been hooked on all of your videos, and I feel like I'm learning so much from you every single day. I feel like I'm in business school um, and just kind of life school. Thank you. Yeah, thank and thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. There's a lot of kind of crossover because, you know, I'm a daughter of immigrants and, you know, we both kind of share that like love for our parents and wanting to help them, but you started out in a different way by really helping your dad's business. And I was watching a video even this morning of you talking about how you gave so much of your time into that. But what happened was you ended up learning so many things that kind of catapulted you in other areas. Um, and, I, and I found it fascinating because you were talking about all your friends on Wall Street and how they were killing yes. it and making so much money and how you don't value stuff. And I yes. wonder where that comes from because I feel like when you are uh, an immigrant, you come to this country, you want the American dream and the American dream technically also involves stuff.
3: stuff. Yeah, I, I think you're right, you know, and, I, and I'm and i a Russian immigrant and Russians, you know, stereotypes have some underlining truths. Like Russians are not the least flashy with, you know, <laughs> like, you know, m- m- when I think about my uncles and aunts and, you know, in all these cultures, they're not really your uncles and aunts, they're just like some people your parents knew back in the old country. You know, they did gravitate, especially the Brighton Beach, Brooklyn crowd that that I I grew up in New Jersey, but a lot of the Russian immigrants lived in Brooklyn and Queens. And the majority of my parents' friends did rush to as quickly as possible buying a BMW Mm -hmm. or a gold chain or going on a fancy vacation. So, you know, to me, the answer to your question is, much more specific to the fact that my parents didn't value stuff. My parents didn't, they valued saving money for a rainy day and being thrifty more than my mom. I mean, my mom never gravitated towards a new pair of shoes or like she was just such a humble quote unquote girl. Um, And my dad literally bought nothing. He just worked all the time and saved money. And so, you know they they if they bought something it was a new home or invested into their business and so the simplicity of their framework much like many of us trickles down from what you're around and i was in a lower middle class blue collar neighborhood so i didn't see anybody else go mercedes out or you know chained out and my parents weren't that person and then when they kind of made it a little bit further along in their lives in America, we moved to Hunterdon County, New Jersey, which is very rural, you know, much more hunting and farmers. And, you know, there a good pickup truck was the luxury, not again. So, you know, basically between really Soviet Russia, which is real humble, makes ghettos look fancy um, in America. and and then Queens Studio Apartments, then lower middle class Edison, New Jersey, and then Hunterdon County Country. And then college was Mount Ida College, which was below community college status because I was a terrible student, very entrepreneur out, but I promised my parents I'd go and I just randomly replied to a postcard and went to this college.
0: Stop it, I didn't know next, that.
3: And 90% of that school was on financial welfare and very much from low income situations, very, you know, very kind of like, you know, city minority financial aid or get kid out of school. So I basically lived my life, not, I mean, I was 22 years old, lived in New Jersey my whole life and didn't even know the Hamptons existed. Didn't, Maria, when I tell you, I need you to actually understand what kind of cocoon I lived in. Don't forget there was no internet. So you got what you got on TV, and you got into what you spent your time on. I was 22 years old, had lived in New Jersey my ho- and New York my whole life, and had never heard the word the Hamptons. So I think that that's how I became that person. That's how I am that person.
0: How do you kind of reconcile that with the level of success you've had? Like so that's who you are but yes when you succeed you get nice things and so how do you kind of handle that i wonder
3: um many different ways one one you go through i mean i for a long time would not fly first class then you make that decision then for a long time i would make stupid decisions in hindsight to not go private when the math of the situation made sense to go private because I was romantic about staying to my roots, mm-hmm. right? So you go, you go through this part where you, let me phrase, I went through this part where even to this day, I, I feel much more comfortable in my dirt than I do in my penthouse. You know, I, I, I'm humbled appreciate and enjoy convenience from amassing wealth Mm -hmm. so the convenience part i'm very big on like you know being able to have somebody you know a black car service or uber or have somebody drive you for if you're at the super bowl all right
0: friends let's talk about something we all do snack trust me i've definitely overindulged in the past but as you know i am focused
3: I'm very into fancy mood because the time is valuable. But I still have no affinity towards stuff. I have no feelings towards clothes, art, cars, homes. They they don't even register as, I would argue, I don't like them.
0: It's so funny, my husband's the same way. He still wears his Levi's, his black t-shirts, he's got his pickup truck and he just is like, I'm never going to lose if I stay where I am, like I'm always... And for,
3: and for me, and for me, it's freedom. Mm. For me, I don't want the stuff. I want to be able to wake up today. And if I decide I want to do this, I want to be able to do it. And if I don't have the financial means to do that, that would be the one thing stopping me. Um, but. I'll tell you something else that I think a lot about that might help somebody listening that doesn't get talked about enough. When I hear you say that about your mm-hmm. husband, it makes me think of my dad who plays the same card. I, on the other hand, have a little bit of a different variation, which is I'm not scared to have to sell my home and rent an apartment or, or r- bring in my Range Rover lease and get a Toyota lease. I'm not scared of going backwards on things. I'm scared of going backwards on options to do something I want to do. Mm. And so I think what's a huge thing that I see from people is they couldn't imagine living life without their nanny, even though the three years before they had a nanny, You know, some people start with a nanny, some get it later. Like, I'm just going very high net worth circles I run in. They, you get very accustomed to things that you didn't even know you needed prior to having them. And I think having the stomach, AKA the self-confidence and the humility to be able to give up something of luxury because you're required to is the mental block that most people struggle with. I think a lot of people struggle with going backwards. My father does for sure. My dad doesn't wanna go backwards. That seems so devastating to him. And to me, if this Gary Vee character that has the honor of people like yourself interested in having them on the podcast and getting paid to speak and building companies, if I make six wrong turns, and that requires me to take a step back, be out of the limelight, put back, and it's not even put back, only have my lunch pail and hard hat, and build back up. In a weird way, that's romantic to me. Whereas I think what I've learned is, ooh, that's a unique trait I have because a lot of my contemporaries really are devastated with the idea of giving up their beach house or yeah. or not flying pri- private or first class or, or not taking Ubers but having to drive themselves or not being able to afford $19 drinks, you know, as a coffee or a juice every day and I think people struggle with the step back. And for me, I think the thing that keeps me aggressive and going for it is the lack of fear of the step back because I can deal with having little and I don't care what people think about my losses because I view them as my own losses and other people's opinions on them, though I understand them because we all do it to anybody that's got any notoriety. I'm not affected by them because the reality is, it's a passing thought. Every opinion we have on people in the public eye, we have a 48 hour, 72 hour thought about it, and then we just move on to the next thing. And so I can't be crippled by millions of people saying, I told you he was full of shit and not good. Mm. See, you know, cause there's a lot of people who are very big advocates of my work and there's other people who are cynical to it. And I can, you know, to me, the worst case scenario is somebody who's cheering for me and believes in me. If I fail, they are now told by their grandfather, who's like, see, I told you that guy was a slickster and a fast talking East Coast guy. And then them feeling bad. For me, I can't worry about that feedback because I'm not living for anybody else's opinions or thoughts other than my own about myself.
0: How do you get there, though? Because I feel like, at least in my culture, in the Greek culture, that's all anybody cared about. My parents were like, what are the people at the church going to say? What are the people in the community going to say? Like, everybody was crippled by what everybody else was going to say. So there's a lot of deprogramming that I have to do to not care because I've been raised to care so much. I would think that your culture was very similar. Um, It
3: was. I, again, I give a tremendous amount of credit to my parents because... I fell into that cocoon, which is a little different. But then, listen, I had other people in my life that were very much that way, close relatives, even grandmother who I think valued other people's opinions too much. Um, I think it's practice. It's Mm -hmm. like, you know, it's, I, I think that we have crossed the chasm in the last 20 years that we as a culture understand that eating smartly and, going, and doing physical activity and going to the gym will translate into you physically looking better. And I do not believe, even though, thank God, in the last five to 10 years, there's been a much better conversation around mental health and the mind. I believe we're more in the Richard Simmons, Jack LaLanne, Gold's gym era on mental mm-hmm. health and mental offense and and how do we get into these places? I think we're in the same place that physical fitness and health was in the Mm -hmm. 80s. I think in 2020, that's where we are with the mind. And I'm happy because God willing, 20 years from now when I'm 64, I think I'm gonna be walking around the streets and being excited because I think people are gonna subscribe to some of the things that I've lived and and have seen enormous happiness in me and others that can get there an enormous unhappiness in those who are on the complete upper side of this. So I think it's practice. I think it's working out. I think it's therapy. I think it's consuming content. The biggest reason that I put out content on this subject matter is I can put out content on what to do tactically on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and podcasts. And I do a lot of that and people value that in me. Getting to a place where you understand that you're accountable for your happiness, which means having tough conversations with yourself about your reliance on your parents and others, to give you the freedom to not have to worry about other people's blueprint, Mm
0: -hmm.
3: is an extreme challenge for all of us. Because first of all, it speaks to, it's really fun to say, I'm not gonna listen to my parents. It's really not fun to say, everything that is happening to me is my fault. And I can't take money from my parents anymore because that gives them leverage. And I can't do this, that, and the other thing. So we love to point the pink finger to society and our parents why it's their fault. We hate to look in the mirror Mm -hmm. and and have accountability. And we need to acknowledge both to get to start the chess moves to get into a place of happiness. So I think it's about consuming content and, and reinforcing those words in your mind of this is an actual truth in society.
0: Well, it's interesting because social media is is such a driving force behind that. Like you want likes, you want people to like you. Other people's opinion of you matters.
3: Social media is the in-your-face version of something that was always true, right? Like the mom in the neighborhood that right now cares about how many likes she gets in her warm-up clothes on Instagram, or the dad who cared about those things prior to social media, and that's why he bought a BMW when he couldn't afford it. We're the same human, it's just, we are focused on social because it's such a big part of our society now. But there are an unbelievable amount of people that are very capable of dealing with having social media accounts and there's a far bigger percentage of people that cannot, but they were the same people that would do anything to get into the country club in town. Mm. They were the same people that would try to get into the inner mean girls mom circle at the PTA because that was fitting in. I think that social media has just physically shown us and exposed our insecurities. I don't think it's fed into us being those people.
0: That's interesting.
3: I think that it's a reflection. Of something that has always happened, and people say, "Well, it it, it makes young girls looking, I, I love this combo now. Social media is unhealthy. It's giving young girls unrealistic, you know, views of what they should look like. And I'm like, and and I'm talking to 45 year old parents, and I say to them, "Wasn't this the same combo we were told about with Kate Moss?" And like, 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 if people don't understand,
0: humans. to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz-free, up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T H E O U A I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way. T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com. Promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't
3: regret it. I'm gonna look at something. So, you know, Farrah Fawcett seemed pretty unrealistic too. You know, and so did Pamela Anderson and so did Bo Derek and so did Kate Moss and so did Sydney Crawford, and so you know. Right now, we're going through this enormous era of blaming the medium instead of the humans that are filling it and receiving it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we're always looking for the devil, whatever that new devil is. Because in our day, it was magazines airbrushing and Photoshopping. And then you had celebrities that at some point picked up kind of the social justice, like, we don't want this. But then they started doing it on Instagram themselves. (laughs) So they were mad at the magazines for doing it, but now they're doing it to themselves so it's 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 one
3: big game of self-esteem i think the greatest job of a parent or a leader a ceo a manager a counselor is to find a way to build self-esteem without crossing into delusion Mm. and so we 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 recognized self-esteem's importance but over the last 15 years we went too far and started giving out eighth place trophies and demonizing merit. And so unfortunately we're in this place where we're struggling to find balance. We but self-esteem is the ultimate drug in our society and it is the only thing I think about in in how I want to communicate from my children to a passive person that consumes one piece of my content ever in their lives. How do I create a conversation around the tr- merit of what happens, accountability, but also self-love and knowing that you're enough, you just might not be great at everything. So how do you get the self-awareness and how do you get comfortable with winning and losing?
0: Yeah, how did you get comfortable with that?
3: I got comfortable with it because I'm a product of the 80s raised by an immigrant mother and basically you get thrown outside and you play for 15 hours and then you come back in and the world taught me it. You know, right now we live in a world where kids don't go outside. Parents are just in kids shit and they're micromanaging at a level we've never seen before. And so for me, I was a product of, when I lost, I just lost. There was no like, there was no parent running to the coaches to debate. There was no system created for not keeping score. Um, and so you just kind of got used to it. And by the way, I cried. I basically stayed crying from seven to 14 years old because, <laughs> because I was so competitive. <laughs> I mean, listen, this is a, it's a, sta- it's a statement that gets the snorts. So I'm glad you gave you one. Like, like I cried an ungodly amount working through my own, You know, I was so competitive, I loved competing, and I I hated losing to the point of crying, but I didn't think losing meant that I was a loser.
0: Yeah, you just wanted to win that bad.
3: And I just wanted to do it again and again and again. Like I couldn't wait to get back on the horse. And what I see, even in my own children, is a fear of even playing at times because they don't want to lose. And to me, losing is is attractive and foundational. And I would argue one's relationship with losing is actually the most interesting indicator to their level of happiness. because I think people that try to disguise or or ashamed of their losses tend to live very unhappy lives. yeah and 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 I think oftentimes manifests into very not fun people because they're looking to make company out of their misery and they're tearing other people down.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's hilarious. I cried every day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, there are a lot of people who um, in this moment and well, I mean, it's kind of been the whole year, but with COVID who, who are feeling that that loss and um, who are afraid of starting something new. So they might be just kind of in that place of just complaining. And I wonder how do you guide people in this moment um, to get back on the horse? And is there a horse that's best to jump on right now?
3: Well, I think I think one thing that I try to remind a lot of friends is there is actually no choice. You know, like, you know, when, when, when people get into a dwell fest with me that I love, you know, I, you know after trying to be consoling and soft, because I have a lot of those characteristics in me along with the candor and the jersey, um, you know, at some point in the conversation, I switch into, okay, wait, let's just take a step back. I've thrown out 49 solutions. You've said no to all of them why don't we play the reverse? Like, so what are you saying? You're just going to lay on your couch for the rest of your life and cry? Like, like, help me understand why these 12 things that I just laid out as viable options of how to restart because you've lost your business. Like this is back, I mean, it's really funny. This is full circle in this interview. This is why we have to make going backwards a honor and something we respect in people not something that people are ashamed of. Because right now a lot of people would rather not get a job Mm -hmm. because their startup or business went out of business because their identity was wrapped up in being an entrepreneur or being successful. And they just don't have the humility to go get a job and save for four years and restart again as if they were entitled to have an easy life. I don't get it. Like I remind people like, you know, there was a lot of third generation businesses in Germany that got knocked out. You know, Cuba and Russia had communist regimes. Just, you know, like you're not guaranteed or entitled to anything. Like, you know, it's really unfortunate that COVID happened. Um, but then I go into these weird scenarios. I, I told one friend the other day, it really helped him. He was all dwelling and I said, you know, COVID. And then I said, you know what? Let me play a different way. You do understand that there's a chance that COVID saved your life. This guy travels a lot. I said, What if instead of COVID, you were in Hong Kong crossing the street and got hit by a car? That could have happened. And then I said, which is what got him because he was a huge fan. I said, Brother, you do realize that if COVID started six weeks earlier, Kobe Bryant would be alive probably for the next 50 years. And like the oh. you could feel the like wind go out of his stomach, and he's like, My God.
0: Oh my god, that's true.
3: And it was something in the way that I delivered that to him that really got him and all of a sudden, it just kind of got him into a mindset of like, yeah, this sucks, my startup's dead and this sucks that I have to go get this job, but that's exactly what I'm gonna do and I'm gonna be thankful for the next two years and I'm gonna work hard and I'm gonna, if I wanna do it again, I'll do it again. That's better than not being alive and, I just think people need a re- a perspective shift as far as to where I mean the answer is the internet. I mean the internet is free. Like TikTok and Facebook and LinkedIn and these things are free. Like
0: And it's 10- not covetable.
3: <laughs> exactly right. Like so th- and this is why I spend my life communicating on these two things. The mindset to be grateful at all times. Gratitude is the absolute foundation to happiness. And then, and that's, you know, I always think of it as like, how do I sit in a place that honors my great-grandmother and my great-granddaughter, right? Which is, how do I stay true to tried and true things like gratitude and kindness and hard work and accountability? And then how do I be the most progressive communicator and the best at using TikTok and LinkedIn and, and podcasts and, AI and and that's kind of where I find myself in those two edges the old school and new school I call it the Flintstones and the Jetsons how do I stay in the Flintstones and the Jetsons at all times if I do I'll find a great balance and I think that's what I've been able to find
0: yeah very successfully um do you have any thoughts on the future of social media you know there's there's obviously been talk about TikTok being banned. Um, Twitter's almost been dead a million times, we all have thought. Where is social media going in your opinion?
3: Humans will communicate with humans until there are no humans. It's an inherent DNA trait of the human being. We desperately need to interact with each other. It is the wiring of our souls and our brains. So to remind everybody before the word social media existed for us old
0: cats in here you know as a first-time mom with a baby i'm always on the go whether it's running errands getting my coffee going to doctor's appointments or just spending quality time with little athena and that's why i rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything no matter where i am kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery <laughs> <laughs> Bonus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today.
3: Mine is the sweet chili. It was AOL Instant Messenger, right? What's the
0: difference? And before between- that, it was pen pal Gary. That's right. I still have my pen pal letters in the vault right behind here. That's right. And before that, (laughs)
3: people literally went on a mountain and made smoke signals so other people could understand what they were saying. Yeah. And drawing in caves. You you know, social media right now, for a million different reasons, mainly political and human insecurity and where we are as a society we're demonizing it, the way we demonized rock and roll and the Beatles and Elvis and rappers. But it is not the crux of the issue. If every social network was banned, if the concept of social networks were banned tomorrow, everybody would go into bulletin boards or would text each other if that was allowed. It is not, humans flexing, posturing, hitting, I mean like flirting with each other, um, uh, genuinely enjoying a debate or a conversation, having a hot take on who their favorite wrestler or football player is, that will always happen. And it will happen no matter what tool you try to take away from people. So my prediction on social networks is this, at some point along the way, the term will evolve there'll be some technology whether it's an alexa skill whether in 20 years it's a vr you know a vr infrastructure built on clear contact lenses that let us live in a new world eventually just like social media and the internet came along something will come along that will be even better quicker faster easier more native for us to communicate with each other and then social networks will feel like writing a letter. And, and then we'll have people who are 19 today, when they're 84, say things like Ugh, these kids. I remember in my day we would just, it was just simple pictures and videos on Instagram. Now they're living in these eggshells 24 hours a day. And all they do is live in this virtual reality world. They don't even get any oxygen. They just have oxygen plugged into their throat. And that will be demonized. So for me, this is just human evolution. Um, the older you are normally, not always, the more romantic you get about the past.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: The, um, and the more conservative you get with your beliefs because people get older, more fearful. Fear lends itself to closed minds. So this is something that's been going on for hundreds of years people always give me a lot of credit for predicting things. Mm -hmm. I always laugh because I was a terrible student, but there was only one class I would crush, and that was history and social studies. And I never understood why, but about five years ago, I'm like, ah, this is why. I'm an anthropologist, I'm a psychologist, I'm a people figure outable kind of guy. And so I think that what is, I'll give you an example, Maria, that I think a lot of people here will understand. I remember when Miley Cyrus got, all those headlines for her, you know, VMA act seven years ago, eight years. Wrecking ago. ball was now. Yep, and I remember at the time on. Twitter oh no, on it was
0: Capitol, the um, it was the guy. It was her twerking, Robin not Thicke. wrecking yeah. ball. Yep. Yeah, it was Robin yep. Thicke. Sorry. No worries. And
3: and I remember debating, conversating, and sharing online that in ten years we're gonna look at that performance the way we looked at Madonna's wedding dress and the way we looked at Elvis. And sure enough, it didn't even take that long. I mean, the most basic 16-year-old girl doing anything on TikTok is already much more sexified than than that performance by Miley. And so-
0: Old people are twerking now.
3: Correct. (laughs) On TikTok. (laughs) That's right. And so I think that this is just the same thing round and round. And so, you know, people are asking for censor. The people that I know that, you know, I'm a Russian immigrant. I have friends who believe in the constitution and America and freedom more than anything on earth. And in their actual words, when it comes to social media are looking for heavy levels of censorship and everything that dictators and fascists like So I think we need to be very careful in demonizing the platforms because as a society, what that will do is actually allow for us to go down a slippery slope of things that people don't want to happen. They don't realize that censoring something means censoring everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I just have no interest in playing God. And I'm fascinated how hundreds of millions of Americans right now are on such tilt emotionally that everyone has decided that their opinion is right. Yeah,
0: <laughs> like mm-hmm. That's I the mean, toughest part about everything right now is there's just no space, right? There's
3: no space for compromise. And, um, and that's what leads to the level of anxiety that I think all of us feel and people are really struggling. And I think a lot of people are coming. And by the way, and I'll say this to not even be around the bush, I believe there are people with conservative Republican views and liberal Democratic views that are, I believe that a stunning percentage are nice people. And unfortunately, everyone is subconsciously, if not consciously, bunkering into us versus them, mm-hmm. which is always the least healthy place to be. And I, I have a lot of hope that there'll be an event, whatever that may be, hopefully not a negative one, but oftentimes historically it's been that, that there'll be an event that kind of spooks everybody into kind of trying to come back to a little bit more of like empathy and respect of different people's points of view and not taking the extremist view that if you've got a conservative point of view, that doesn't mean you're a racist. And if you've got a liberal point of view, it doesn't mean you're a socialist. And we've gotten into that name calling. And right now we're in third grade mode and I'd like to be one of the voices that helps get us out of it. Yeah. but it's going to take tens of millions, not just one.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We were just talking about how overwhelming it feels because you just don't feel like there's a solution in sight, right? You know, I love solving problems and I I feel like I'm pretty good at it. And this one is just so overwhelming. It just wears it's on also, me.
3: It's also historical. We've had these moments and you just kind of, you know, these things tend to be bigger than the individual, like to your I, I love all those things too. I'm very solution oriented and like very empathetic. Really I am, I mean, I need my winery empathy. Like I believe in it the most. And, um, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of pent up resentment for a lot of humans. And I, and, I, and I think that it's manifesting in a lot of ugly ways. And, you know, sometimes you need to throw up to kind of like, you know, yeah. wake up the next day. And like, you know, I think, you know, my great hope is that this isn't you know a mature empire in its final days of tearing itself apart like my, my hope is that it's a good kid that decided to go on a binger in college throw up the next day have one day at school like have a weekend where they just laid in bed and drank soda all day to, or Gatorade and like kind of restarted on Monday and and that's my hope my hope is that we gradually drank a little bit more and more and more until we had one bad, bad, bad night in college and we needed a reset. So I hope we throw up here a little bit and then Mm -hmm. kind of reset.
0: I love that. I have to ask you before I let you go, first of all, for anybody who's listening, um, you can go to Gary's YouTube and you can get all the answers to the questions that I normally would ask, but he has everywhere for you. You know, I've watched the videos on you need to put 64 pieces of content out there. By the way, we have a lot of questions for you in our lives, and I'm-
3: Why why don't we do this? Why don't, you know what, I just texted my next meeting. Why don't we do 10 minutes of rapid fire? I'll try to keep it tight. Damn,
0: okay, cool. Well, I wanna just preemptively thank you because I heard that you were gonna give us some time and another moment scheduled to help us and i'm very grateful for that um and so you know there's so many things but before i get to that we'll do the rapid fire i have to ask you this one thing i didn't find an answer to because i'm more interested in you right now because you get asked all of these marketing questions and entrepreneurial questions all the time and we have those answers but you are fascinated with owning the jets As a Patriots fan, I, you know, I appreciate your (laughs) fandom. Um, Sorry, but. uh... (laughs) Fair enough.
3: You've had it it so good. Like, there's very few times I get, I have to be quiet. One of them is always in any debate with a Patriots fan. It's been so lopsided that I just have to bite my tongue. So go ahead. I
0: die. I am, by the way, the psychoest Patriots fan ever. (laughs) I believe that I helped talk Tom Brady through that win against the Falcons. (laughs) By I, telepathic. I swear to God, Gary, I'll tell you in another time. My husband wouldn't let you. me leave to go pee because I was doing it. Telepathic. <laughs> Telepathically. Telepathically talking to him. Anyhow. Amazing. Um, and so anyhow, uh, you wanna buy the jets. Yes. So I I don't understand why. You want to buy the Jets outside of like your your love yep. for them. Like there's got to be a bigger why than just your love, right? Because I love Dunkin' Donuts and I wanted to yep. open the first Dunkin' Donuts in L.A. And then I realized yep. I don't have time to manage plumbing issues and all yep. that stuff. So I <laughs> abandoned that idea. Um, you, The why and the what. Like I want to know what you're going to do with it. That's different. So Other than why, winning. Yeah, <laughs> let, me give you my, let me
3: give you my best, my best guess here. My, my guess, first of all, I kind of announced it somewhere in third grade in 1985, 86, 84. Like that's when it kind of like became a thing. Wow. It would be something I would say as early as that. And and I think I never really understood it. I didn't know if it was like a fourth grade flex. And I knew at that point I wanted to be a businessman, but I don't think I understood. I didn't make those connections. I think that I, so I was born in the Soviet Union. There is no lineage of fandom in my family. I established it all, you know? My parents didn't watch sports. So the Jets represented early American dream stuff for me, right? It's kind of when I started feeling like I was fitting in. Mm-hmm. I liked the Jets, my friends in the neighborhood liked the Jets, but I was also poor and so my friends were a little bit further along than my family at that time. And then obviously, kudos to my parents, we kind of excelled during American dream, but they. I, the bottom line was, even if we had the money, my mom was not gonna buy me a Jets jersey. So she knitted me this Jets jersey that I would wear like every day. It became a romantic story for me. It built momentum. And then pro, I, I basically think now it's the combination of two energies. One. It is this warm, deep grounded feeling of what is safe and good for me about America represented in the thing that represented it for me because we came from such turmoil. Two, I love the process. And I think in hindsight, even at that young of an age, there was probably something in my DNA that understood that if I made an extraordinarily big goal, that I would enjoy chasing it maybe even more than getting it. Mm-hmm. And so I am absolutely a thrill of the hunt boy, even like later, like even thinking back to like my adolescence with like girls even, like the, the, the process more than like getting a girlfriend, like, like the trying to get one or them courting me, like I love process. And so um, I think it's the, pro- it's the journey and the romance. It's a story. And I think um, I've been captivated by that story within my own mind basically my whole life.
0: So cool.
3: The wh- what is the most fun because the Jets unfortunately have been pretty unsuccessful, and, <laughs> and, and, and you know, and, and your favorite team was in the same exact boat until an owner came along yep. that instilled a culture, mm-hmm. an operational functionality that led to better results. I. I, as a bitter Jets fan, think a lot of luck because, you know, obviously your saving Saint was drafted in the sixth round. And, you know, that is awfully remarkable uh, for that to play out the way it did. <laughs> for the best football player of all time, or, or the second best, if I want to make myself feel better with Jerry Rice, to be a six-round pick, that's pretty unusual. Um, so, yeah. but but I, as much as I like to raz, I think it's the culture. Yeah from the top that in, in unbelievably creates an opportunity for something like that to actually even happen there and flourish there. And so that's my plan. My plan is in 20, 25 years, which is when I feel like I'll be ready financially, emotionally, like I feel like that's the time timeframe. Um, then, you know, that's my hope. My hope is that 68 year old me starts the process of building a 25 year run that, Wins a Super Bowl, and to me, you know, as a fan who's watched every single play of a game since 1982, every play, every wow. game, this is my true escapism. It's my true temple. It is my true, like, it's the one place that I'm not rational. <laughs> you
0: know, I get I it. Two,
3: I mean, right, I have two children, and the, the and the literally the greatest day of my life was winning that playoff game in Foxborough in <laughs> uh-huh. 2011. You know, like, I believe like, it. I mean, because we lost to you guys seven weeks earlier on Monday Night Football, uh-huh. 45 to three. So I thought I was, I remember driving up the New Jersey, the, the 95 to Foxborough as if I was going to my funeral. <laughs> like, I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't even think we would be within 20 points to win that game. So like, that's the one place I'm irrational I once, I, just to use this as a therapy session, I once <laughs> hip-checked, literally hip-checked, a 12, I'm a nice person, oh but I hip-checked the 12-year-old boy wearing a Tom Brady jersey that was what? walking oh by me. God. Yes, and the father turns around, who was at least two times my size and had a face that wanted to fight. And I immediately said, what are you gonna do? Like I it was interested in fighting. I really am irrational when it comes oh to Jets football. God, I so I, 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 you know, it's funny. My take on politics is, oh my God, the way that I'm irrational mm-hmm. in sports is how people are irrational in our actual lives.
0: Yeah, but that actually matters. Like sports in, in the Correct. In, in the real like grand scape of things, sports doesn't matter. I've had this conversation which is, with which Seth MacFarlane so many which times. Is why,
3: by the way, which is why we need to be rational in politics. Yeah. I think irrationality in sports is far healthier than, like I generally, like it is true that I can't like you as a person to the heights that I'd like to because of your Patriots fandom. And that, is, that is real talk, that is real talk right now. That's hilarious. To me, to me, to me, I do not feel the same way about people's points of view on society though there's some takes that are unacceptable obviously to me but so it's just a very interesting thing and i think it's become a very romantic story it's same reason i think i love i know we share this wrestling Mm -hmm. i think it's the same reason i love star wars i'm in for a good story yep i think they're very powerful they can teach they can help you escape from your You know tough true day-to-day challenges in real life stuff totally and and i and i think i've created my own story to go from a place of not being able to afford a jersey for yourself of your favorite player to owning the team outright feels awfully romantic
0: yeah i love it you're gonna do it it's just it's um it's that kind of like almost unhealthy psychotic pursuit of something that actually makes it happen right so you're you're definitely going to um, I share your irrationalities I share your enthusiasm I sweat and burn calories as if I'm playing in a game <laughs> people, you really have to like like me to watch a game with me. I am insane and I get into the psychology. So, I can tap into people and I know whether they're going to be okay in this game or not. Like my husband will ask me before a game, "What do you think?" I'm like, "I don't know. I just felt the vibe from him when he walked on the field and he's just he's not confident." And so like, "I'll know."
3: I I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. I have I have made decisions on first-round draft picks on um, on a five-minute interaction within their first three months on the team. And when I tell you seven out of ten, eight out of ten, because there's – because humans are actually simple. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And yeah. I – talk to people for a living so i know people very well so i can see these little things like i'm psycho and i'm a psycho celtics fan too so i remember there was a player um big baby we went to summer league from the first summer league we were at in vegas and we went every year we were the nerds that were there before it was cool and big baby came out and he had his headphones and he was being all like showboaty and fun and i just grabbed coach and i go he's not taking this seriously this is his moment to to show you why you should put you know put him on the team or whatever I'm like he's not taking this seriously like larry would never do this and like i'm going off and he's looking at me and i'm like i know i'm crazy sorry but then you know you see what plays out with people and um and sports is the greatest reality show in the world and it's it's 100%. well how we live our lives every day me and my house with sports references and 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 all of the things that surround sports—the the theories and the thoughts—and
3: um... well, what's great about sports, even more than capitalism, is you can't hide. Yeah. You can't like it plays out. That's a good point. Like
0: in never thought about Parenthood
3: it like that. in even with business using politicians to like change rules. Mm-hmm. You like like the reason everyone's so emotional about politics is people change rules to help, to change, to manipulate. The sports rules are the rules. It's the reason we get so crazy about refs. They're the one variable that feels more like not merit, but the merit of sport. And it's, by the way, it's why I love fighting. It's the reason I love UFC and boxing so much is not because of its brutality. I, I, I would argue that, you know, I'm not even actually interested in that part. I'm interested in the psychology and science of just no place to hide.
0: Yeah. It's why
3: I love being a leader. Like when I when I address VaynerX, all my companies, literally on anything, on on you know our our ratios, on race and and female employees, on our profitability, on the clients we chose not to work with, on a thing I said in the Wall Street Journal on, I, I let everybody know this is 100% my fault, every single product. Like if, uh, if we have a problem in a company or in a division, well, I hired the person that made that decision or hired the person that hired the person. So for me, I love 100% accountability. And I think we're living through an era where everybody wants to point a finger on anybody but themselves. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, well, here's the thing. Like everybody has that one thing, right? And for you, be, the reason you're fearless and you're confident, I feel like is because you love the process. Correct. So if you don't love the process, that's why you're going to be afraid to go backwards. Like, And by the
3: way, and by the way, I respect the process. To me, if I lose, I lost.
0: Yeah.
3: I'll. Rem- I, here's a really good story back to how powerful parenting is. I recall having a bat, I was very good at baseball in second, third, and fourth grade before size, speed, and power mattered. When it was just hand-eye dead. coordination. Dead, dead. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, once actual athleticism and like other variables, but from yeah. second to fourth grade, when it was on hand-eye coordination and depth of knowledge of even the sport itself, well, I dom- I mean, I probably had four unassisted triple plays in second grade, because I just knew the sport so much better than everybody else. And and I have to this day, darts, pool, all those little games, you know, cornhole, like I have very strong hand-eye coordination. So I was dominant. I remember having this really, and this will be fun. If anybody can find John Longo, he grew up in Edison, New Jersey in the eighties. This kid John Longo struck me out multiple times in a game. And I'm telling you, I batted like 850 that year. I mean, I was always on base. I didn't have power but I had, I really could play. And I had a really bad day. And I remember being, I cry, remember back to what I said, crying, mm-hmm. came off the field crying, cause we lost, which was rare. They were the Cougars. We were ironically the Jets, but we were in red. So that was fun to begin with. That's why that team was destined to be good for me. Huh. Um, we go in the car, I start crying in my mom's car. I'll never forget this. And I remember, I don't remember the words, but I remember the feeling very vividly for the sake of argument, I think I was trying to blame it on the sun being in my eye. I remember going in for the excuse. And when I tell you, and again, this is why it's fun to tell this story. I don't even remember what my mom said. I don't remember what she said. I remember, right now I can feel it, right? Mm. I can feel there being no room for excuses. Yeah. And not like a scary, like Todd Marinovich, you know, like, wrote, you know, like, parent that like made me try to be baseball, like, none of that bull crap that parents do. No, no, just the merit of the situation. You no, no, there wasn't the sun. it wasn't the batting lineup. It was John Longo overpowered you, and you were unable to get the background fast enough because we this he ate a lot of pizza. Now, I'm, now I'm razzing him because I'm upset. He overpowered me. He was a big kid. Yeah. And, and my mom made me realize. And I'm not sure how many other times she ever had to do it, but I think excuses were poison in my Mm. household. And excuses are being thrown around like they're nothing in contemporary society. And I think it's led to a lot of unhappiness.
0: Yeah. I I mean, that's I just marked that down. That's a, a great moment. I think we all easily can default to excuses. I had a moment um i took tony robbins business mastery class recently and one of the things that i was meditating on i was like no no more excuses no like excuses. it's 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 so exhausting. And i remind
3: people who are listening being accountable doesn't mean that there aren't systematic process problems in society it just means what are you actually going to do about it because yelling about it on twitter or over a beer or six beers you know, is, you know, <laughs> I tell people normally you'll find yourself spending your time complaining with somebody else that's losing. Yep. Pay attention to your audience in your complaining. It's somebody else who's complaining. And I think find friends and outlets that look for solutions and accountability. I, I would argue that me being accountable for my. Every mistake, big and small, has led to my general happiness. I don't know what else to say. I don't know how else to say it.
0: Well, because you can release it like that. Otherwise, it's all inside and it's stored. But and you're trying
3: to trick people that it's not you. But yeah. I always tell people, I'd rather, I'd rather not... A lot of people end up living life tricking the 97% and looking like a fool to the three smart percent.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And I, I don't want that. I don't want to trick the 97%. I want, to be, I want to be respected by myself. First of all, I want to respect myself.
0: That's it.
3: All right, I'm super over. I'm like super late for another meeting.
0: I um, thank you so much. Um, and this was awesome. Like, thank you for your time. Thank you for what you share with everybody. Um, like I said- By the way, I'm,
3: I'm having so much fun. I have an idea. I've yeah. never done this before. Okay. How do you get feedback from this episode? And why don't we do another 20 or 30-minute version, part two, where we just go, because we went very macro. Yeah. Why don't we do part two, the micro? Why don't we just do okay. a rapid-fire 25-minute show of Q&A?
0: Yeah, we'll find out what our people awesome. want exactly. I love it. And Thank you, you too, because
3: I sound like you had some stuff.
0: Yeah, 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 awesome. for sure.
3: Awesome. Thank you to your team. It was awesome. Thank, Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Gary. Thank you, Gary. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone.
0: If you want more info on Gary V, you can subscribe to his YouTube channel, Gary V. Um, V-E-E. We'll put the link in the summary of this as well for self-help and brand building advice. Also, his podcast and upcoming events can be found at garyvaynerchuk.com. We will also put that in the summary of this. So cool. Oh my gosh. Yay. Wow!
2: So, He's so awesome. So much. There's just so much in there.
0: I right? Know. Like, it's funny because it's, I, I, I never know what I'm going to do with somebody and I just felt like I wanted to know him more yeah, and his psychology and his makeup rather than, okay, 64 pieces of content. What if you, you know, all the nitty gritties about all that stuff because it's all out there. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to ask him more about what's out there because when you start to ask somebody about themselves, you're going to learn so much about what makes them tick and what makes them successful because I do feel like you have to find what that thing is in you, Right, like I like making things better. We've talked yep. about that, right? You yep. like making things better. I like solving things. I love helping people. Once you know those few little nuggets about yourself, then um, it unlocks a lot. Like for him, I realized really quickly. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. He likes the process. That's why he is not afraid to fail he because it. he's like, oh cool, I get to build the blocks up again. When the rest of us are like, shit, yeah. it took so long and it was so yeah. hard to build these blocks. I, I, I can't. I can't. And he respects it. I loved that. Yeah. So it's like I like to I like to know those things because Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, I need a little more of that. Like I am trying to always collect things that, you know, fill the little cups inside of me that aren't totally full, right? Like I have the ones that are like overflowing and I have the ones that like need a little bit more. So I I need a little of that. And that's why I always say to people, your peer group is so important. Who are you spending your time with? Look at what he said. You know, if you're complaining, chances are you're talking to someone else who's, you know, complaining and negative and whatever. And you guys are just going to sit there and commiserate. And Kevin talks about it being the guy on the bar stool. Like, yeah. you know, it, it. it's like you're always going to find someone on the bar stool next to you to complain to. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you have a Gary V in your life, do you think you're going to sit there? Do you really <laughs> think that I'm going to go sit next to Gary Vee and start complaining about shit?
1: Heck no. He's
0: going to walk the fuck away. Yep.
1: Yeah, right? just like your
0: shirt says, duck off. It's
1: going to be like duck, duck off. off. But, but it's
0: true. But you know that, right? Yeah. I, I, Tony, I'm not going to go complaining to Tony Robbins. I'm going to Tony Robbins with a fucking million dollar idea. I'm going to go to him with, you know, how I can add value to his life. I'm going to go to him with all these other things yeah. and, and questions about how he's doing it. That's what you need to look at your life and examine. Do Mm. I have those kinds of people in my life? Because those are the people that are going to help you rise. Everyone else is going to keep you where you are. And most of us don't want to be where we are because if you're not growing, you're dying. So even if you are someone who's happy right now, there's always another level, right? Yep. A hundred percent.
2: The thing I love too is to me, it's just an affirmation of how important it is to be yourself. I know that sounds cliche, But I think it's something people say without really thinking, like, be yourself. And surprisingly, it was actually housewife Dr. Wendy Osefo who said, you can't let people change you. Mm -hmm. And when you listen to one of the world's most successful and wealthiest entrepreneurs talk about his second grade baseball game and talk about loving the process and talk about the sweater his parents knitted him, it's so clear to me that a huge priority and goal for him is to maintain his sense of identity Mm -hmm. and not let this crazy journey he's had shape him or not let other entrepreneurs or power players tell him who he is. And that's, to me, why he has such a clear, distinct voice is because he's letting us in to that, I think.
0: Yeah. And if you haven't found your voice, it's because you're scared of it. Mm -hmm. What did he say? He had a fear, quote, Fear when... I just gave, hold on. I just gave myself a really great moment. Ooh, say <laughs> it again. Did you even hear what I said? No. Kelsey! Say it again! She's so concerned with what she's gonna say. Millennials, damn. Ah! No. Um, I don't even remember what I said. I said, if you haven't found your voice, it's because you're afraid of it yourself. Yeah. That's like something for everybody to sink on. Now you can go ahead. Carry on. <laughs> Kara's like, hold on, I got something. Woo! Go ahead.
1: Fear lends itself to closed minds. That's all. That, that was a ga- oh, that was Gary. Oh, Gary said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm but like, it piggybacks on that, that. That sounds
0: familiar. I was in understanding where no, we no, were going. No, no, no. But got I it. think
1: what you said is right on. Yeah. It's right on. I mean, so many of your guests have said fear, fear is courage walking, right? Yeah. So you're scared of your own.
0: Yeah. Like, I know for myself, I'm scared to be totally myself. Yeah in a lot of arenas like social media. You saw I cracked a joke about divorcing Kevin on Instagram. Now, I'm with you and I'm with my best friend from seventh grade. So especially when I'm with Alyssa, I'm my truest self, right? So I'm going to be that like mischievous, playful, playful, whatever, where I crack those kinds of jokes. And so it translated energetically in that moment as I'm socialing this picture of me relaxing on the box. And I'm like, it contemplating, you know, <laughs> uh, relocation, divorce, and French toast or something. And people are like, what? You can't joke about this. And now normally that's the fear I have because I know that's going to come. And I was like, no, like, this is freaking hilarious, I think. And it led to my, like, best belly laugh later on when I was talking to Kevin. Because I go, Kevin, I go, did you see my post? He's like, yeah. And I go, well, did you like it? And he goes, I, did, I didn't know how to respond. I, like, If I like it, what does it say to people? If I don't like it, what does it say to people? I go, honey, you should just respond and be like, oh my god, great minds think alike. I was thinking the same thing at the same time. I'm like, mess with me back. But I crazy laughed over that, oh, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. And those are the things that I laugh about behind the scenes. I have like this insane sense of humor. Kevin has I mean he's like on a whole other, whole level. other level. But I get nervous about what people mm-hmm. are going to say always. Mm-hmm. And so it's nice to have people around you that are the opposite so that you can get that to rub off on you. And that was what was a great moment with Gary is let him rub off on us a little bit because yeah. it's um it's it's okay to fail. It's okay to lose. Like we're so taught failure is bad. And if we can reverse that narrative for people, then think of what we would all be capable of accomplishing in this world if we weren't afraid to fail. Mm. Damn. Damn.
1: A lot.
0: Right? A lot. And I'm sure
1: our society would be happier and better for it. I know it would be. For
0: sure. Anyhow, um, in the meantime, thank you guys for joining us. Thank you for being uh, with us every day here. If you like today's episode, here's a good suggestion for you, because we do have a very extensive library, and you may not have caught up on every episode. Check out our episode with Ed Milet from June 10th. Now, Jeff, we do have episode numbers, you realize now, right? Yes, I'm looking that up right now. We so can, I can make throw happens, episode happens, numbers yes. on here for people, make it okay. easier for okay. them. Yes. Um, Ed Milet is uh, another very successful entrepreneur, and we had a really great conversation with him. So you can check that out. Um, It was June 10th, it was recent enough you can scroll back, but next time Jeff will have numbers too, to help you. Uh, Follow us on our new Instagram, at bettertogetherwithmaria. Tell us what you're thinking, what you're liking, what you want more of, at Maria Menunos, at Gary V, V (laughs) V-E-E, we're gonna put that in the summary of the show, uh, at Jeff Crane Graham and Kelsey Meyer too. And remember, be nice people, make good choices, and be present. Hey, Heal Squad. We have been on quite the journey together, and we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. We love, love, love it, and we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Spread the message and share the show